Hello, Syngap Land. My name is Michael Grawley. This is episode 90 of Syngap 10. It's Friday night, but I'm going to tell you it's Saturday, January 21st, because that's when this episode is going to go up. It's been a very busy week, and I'm not even going to tell you about everything that happened because I can barely keep it all straight. But I do want to tell you about a few cool things, and I and I want to frame this episode as seven ways you can help Syngap 1 research this week. Because and then I'm going to tie all those things to a story. So one great meeting we had this week was with a company that does eye tracking. So they have glasses and they have iPads and stuff and they look at your eyes. This is not the Tom Frazier net survey, which is very cool. And by the way, it's making progress. But this is something else. And I was talking to this very senior neurologist who runs this company. And, and she didn't really understand what Syngap 1 seizures look like or the, or, the obs, or the nature of our absences and our eye rolls. And more than that... She, um, she, I had to really break down, like, because our seizures are so hard to measure and you can't see them all, the biomarker problem, right? What are we going to measure in trials? And she said, Mike, it'd be really helpful for me if I could see these seizures. Because halfway through the call, because a couple of parents actually this week shared videos of, of kids having eye rolls and being like, look at this. Is this a Syngap seizure? And we were all like, yes. So on the Zoom call, I was like, look at these. This, this is what we're dealing with here. And she said, it would be so helpful for me if I could see more of these. And I was like, all right, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Because there's this whole privacy thing. And, and I, I, if you don't want to have pictures of your kids up out on the internet because of privacy, I respect that. God bless you. Some of us are more concerned with people understanding Syngap than our kids' privacy. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying I recognize there's both camps. It's great. God bless you. But if you're willing to, if you're willing to, it would be great if on um, some kind of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter's easiest, honestly, um, YouTube, whatever, you just shared a video of, hey, this is what a Syngap seizure looks like. So if you've got a, a picture of one of your Syngapians maybe eating and the eye rolls or just sitting there having a cluster of seizures, if you're willing to post that video on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, somewhere publicly, and just add the hashtag, little hash, pound sign, Syngap seizure, then we can very easily gather those up and point people to them and say, this is what we're dealing with. So that's one thing you could do. You could share a video of a Syngap seizure because there's people out there who we need to work on Syngap who don't understand that. Seems obvious, but it's not. Number two, we had a very exciting week in terms of, we had, we had spoke to some partners who were, um, working with an academic center, and they want to do another one of these surveys. So you know we have a survey of probably genetic to identify potential patients by their answers to a survey. That's a very good idea, and probably genetic has, has done great work there. But other people are trying to do the same thing, and there's an academic center trying to do that. And step one is to get people to complete a survey. So we were talking to this company, and they were like, hey, we'd like you guys to do this survey. And, and I said, well, okay, sure. How many do you need? And they said, well, we need at least 150 people to do this to include you, because that's the big enough number of data points that we can actually do the work. And I said, fine, we can get I, we can get 150. We got this woman, Corey, she's amazing. She she keeps the community activated. Corey can get people to do it. And so Corey and I posted in our, in our Facebook group and said, hey, everybody, in our Slack, and said, hey, everybody, would you please do this? And um, the people at the company who were seeing the responses were like, oh my gosh, you're at 40. Oh my gosh, you're at 90. The next day, oh my gosh, you're 120. And the next day, oh my gosh, you're over 150. And it was so exciting. And what was kind of cool is I asked people what, after they filled in the survey to say, you know, done, 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 done. And you could see people saying, done, 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 done. And people were really excited. People were really excited. And I honestly was a little confused. I was like, why are people so excited about filling out a survey? Now, it's cool. Everybody who completed the survey, at the end of the survey, you got to say, you know, 
which organization you wanted to, to benefit from your time and they made a $50 donation. So 150 people did this survey. SRF got a $7,500 donation. Very exciting. We're going to give that to a researcher in a couple months at our next deadline. So in and out. But it was really cool and it was just fun to see the community gelled and activated and getting something done together in real time. And guys, the survey's still open. So if you're hearing this, you're like, wait, how did I miss that? Where have I been? I want to do the survey. Links are in the show notes. Syngap.fun slash UCSF underscore survey. And there's also a long link in case short links don't work for you. Um, in the show notes, click, take the survey, tell your friends, push it in. If you're in an autism group or an epilepsy group or another Syngap group, share that link and say, hey, take this survey. Let's give researchers the data they need to study our kids. Let's give researchers the data they need to study our kids. And then there's another thing going on. We had a meeting with, last week in episode 89, I talked about the ORCA and how important the ORCA was and how excited I was that the ORCA's coming on to um, Rarex and soon Simons. And then we had a meeting with Simons this week to talk about what's going on at Simons and when the ORCA's gonna go live. And it was a really interesting meeting. And the punchline is this. Um, we've been working with Simons for a long time and they have a lot of rich data on our patients. And Rarex has also stood up this platform, but there's basically two platforms that you can use to do surveys, Rarex and Simons. Those are different than Citizen, which gathers up our medical records, right? Everybody should sign up for Citizen. If you've signed up, God bless you. Make sure you log in every six months and update your medical records, right? So when you sign up, they collect your records and then you got about six months update and say, hey, I saw this doctor again. I went to this hospital again. They'll go get your records. Update Citizen. So once you've signed up for Citizen and we've got all your medical records, we still need a way to get your opinions and your do the Vinelands and the Orcas and the whatever. And there's really two platforms for that, Simons and Rarex. And at the end of the day, we should probably pick one. I don't have an opinion here. I love both organizations. But I, what I'm asking you for here is if, you, if you've done one, go ahead and sign up for the other and just compare and give us feedback at SRF about which organization we should be really encouraging people to use, Simons or Citizen. Uh, Simons, pardon me, or Rarex. Because at the end of the day, we're going to want to push everybody to one, I think. Happy to happy to have that discussion. This is I'm not I'm just, I'm not giving you guys something fully baked here. I'm telling you, there's something we're really struggling with. We want to respect your time. We want to be as efficient as possible, but we've got to figure out which of these platforms um, we should prioritize. And and probably one of the most important variables there is is user input. So you, the families, you know my email. You know how to reach me. Um, please, if you've used Simon, sign up for Rarex. If you use Rarex, sign up for Simon's. Use them both. Tell us your thoughts. That's important. Other thing I want to flag is every week we do Warrior Wednesday. If you have not done Warrior Wednesday, you can sign up and, and volunteer your kid to be shared um, through that platform. It's a great way to tell a story. I can't tell you how many newly diagnosed families um, come on to the Get Diagnosed, come to our website, and just sit there and read these stories and hear about other kids and realize they're not alone. So it's a great way of letting people find you. And it's a great way of helping other families who you haven't even met yet and letting them get to know you. Um, and I have also seen people be like, wait, this person lives, I live, wait, they're my neighbor. It's very cool. But this week's is a, is a story of a 17-year-old Eli in Tennessee, and it's just an awesome story. So beautifully written. And if you don't take time to read those, please read them. Links in the show notes. 
Another big highlight this week, JR, who I talked about last week, wrote this beautiful book, More of Everything, all about special needs. Um, she has an adult child with Syngap, and she's been through she's been through it, guys. And she and she was brilliant, and her heart is huge, and she's wise, and she wrote this amazing book. And she talked about it at our, our family conference. Oh, our family conference is up, by the way. I should even talk. I haven't talked about that. Whatever, I'll come back to that in a second. She talked about it at our family conference. And because we didn't record the family day, we only recorded the science day, um, we said, hey, JR, that was amazing. Would you do a webinar? And today she did a, yesterday she did a webinar. And we just put the recording up today because we're good like that. We're fast. And it's amazing. And you can see JR talking about her son. And you can hear the other parents asking questions. And you can realize if you haven't bought the book, buy the book. And frankly, if you have bought the book, buy another one and give it to someone. This is a, we talked a little bit in the, in the webinar about how do you get the people in your life to understand what we're dealing with. And, and a few people were like, I just need to give this book to people. So it's a great book. It's a short read. It's an easy read. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift for our community. And I strongly urge you to buy another copy of JR's book and read it and give it away because it's great. Um, last thing of the seven, because I said there's seven things that you could do to help Syngap researchers this week, I want you guys to think about when this year you're going to do a fundraiser, right? Are you going to do Sprint for Syngap in, in, in April? Are you going to do a big year-end fundraising letter? Are you going to take part in the gala or the soiree or the, all the different things we're doing? What are you going to do this year to raise funds for Syngap Research? Because we all need to do that. We all need to raise as much as we can to help the fund fund as much research as possible. So that's number seven. And then with that, I want to wrap up and I just want to do a couple shout outs, very cool shout outs. So there's a there's a there's a gentleman named Professor um, Stromgard in Denmark, and he just won this big Danish brain prize. And he's going to be doing work on proteins in the postsynaptic density and looking at liquid liquid phase separation, which I couldn't even pretend to explain to you. But it's very cool. It's, it's cutting edge stuff. And proteins in the postsynaptic density basically means PSD95 is the protein, DLG4 is the, is the gene, and Syngap1, and Syngap1 is the gene. And so super exciting that this very, very sharp um, European researcher got this big award and will be doing more work on Syngap. So I just wanted to say congratulations, Professor Stromgard. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Dr. Ingo Helbig, who everybody knows I think walks on water. And um, he just released an update. So in 2016, he wrote, this, he did this cool little graphic and he talked, he's, he's got this epilepsy genetics blog. He's been at it for 14 years. The guy's so far ahead of the curve, it's unfunny. And back in 2016, he did this cool chart where you could sort of see what year genes were discovered and, and you know, help us put things in perspective. And frankly, that was hopelessly out of date like a year after he published it. So here we are six years later, seven years later, way out of date. And we've all been saying, hey, can you do that again and put my gene on it? And he finally did it. And, and he did this beautiful chart um, that he just put out on his blog. And I, and I share the tweet in, in the show notes. Check that out and look at how early on Syngap is and realize how long we've been around. And that, that should help you understand why we're making so much progress. We are actually one of the OGs. Syngap-1 is, is one of the earlier genes in the, in the channelopathy area as described by, by Dr. Helbig. And um, really cool chart, Dr. Helbig. Thanks for doing that. And thank all of you for, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.